3: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Viking Star. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Welcome in to a Friday edition of Purple Daily or Saturday, depending on when you're listening to this or watching this. Um, Let's talk about Federated for just a second before we dive in and start previewing Vikings and Colts related things. Federated is here to help business owners. And when you are a business owner that partners with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. And also make sure you follow Federated on Twitter at FederatedINS.com. Great content for your business on all aspects of business protection, including disability income insurance and business succession planning and more. At Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. You like that? You like that? You know, you also can't get paranoid. you got to play, and you gotta, you got to play uh, to the confidence of your players and have them confident in what you're doing. So I think it's a fine line, uh, whether, whether you're playing in an empty stadium or whether you're playing in a full one and using hand signals. Uh, it's it's the same thing, you know. So it is something that's always on on our minds and something we got to be concerned with. But uh, but we got to you know we can't get paranoid in our approach each week in and week out. We got to go out there and, and cut it loose and play. That's uh, that's Vikings offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak talking about being paranoid. Um, Courtney Cronin from ESPN dot com, Mackie and Judd with Declan producing here. It is Purple Daily, and before we get into uh, confidence, curiosity, and concern for this game against the Colts. What was the context of that soundbite, Courtney? What was, what was Gary Kubiak talking about, play calling in an empty stadium?
0: Yeah. So I asked him because I was curious from just like my own perspective of watching games. And yeah, you can't truly hear every little intricacy of the play call that the offense is, you know, the quarterback screaming out. But I was wondering from a competitive advantage standpoint. Will you now have to change the verbiage of these play calls on a week-to-week basis? So if you had a play that was, you know, these West Coast play calls are so intricate and they're like nine car- nine letters long or nine words long. It's just it's it's something, it's always insane. I'm like, how the hell do you remember all that? But um I thought I was like, okay, well if if a team, because clearly you have an advanced scout who is going back and parsing through film and you have people who, you know, are scouting for your next opponent. What if the play call from like week one, what if they knew what the play was and they were able to like if they kept seeing it repeat itself and show up in places, like would you have to change your verbiage so it doesn't get on fil- get on tape essentially? It's not recorded by the broadcast because you think all right, it's quieter, you should be able to hear it. That should give the defense an advantage. Um and that's what Gary was saying. It's like, you know, obviously they change things, I think pretty routinely, but you know, you can't get paranoid and thinking, okay, well, they know our play call, we have to alter everything that we're doing and then you end up getting in a game of chasing your tail so i think that um i just i when nobody knows what this thing is going to be like this year like how is this whole season going to play out just given the the ancillary stuff around you like that's affecting the actual quality of the game you know rogers hard counting and quit counting a team on the road like that doesn't happen because usually it's really effing loud in there on third second down. Play the, second
3: play like, of the game, Rogers does a hard count and gets the Vikings to jump. Like yeah, that must have been by, a reality I, check.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's that type of stuff that like I. It's the game within the game, and that's what I love about it. Um, and I look at this wondering you know, for offenses: if you have the same play that you routinely use, are you calling it something different? week to week. So teams aren't picking up on that. Like on, like when they're, you know, scouting.
1: Um,
0: I'm sure that that's something that they will have to do. I know that Gary said, you want to get paranoid. You don't want to be, you know, worried about that, but, it's the game within the game. And it's another added layer of something uh, that we've got to parse through here in 2020 as we figure out like how teams are going to use certain things as a competitive advantage.
1: So among events uh, throughout sports, NBA baseball, football, Courtney, Mm -hmm. that you have covered, where does just last Sunday, forget the game, the result itself, Mm -hmm. where does that experience of sitting in an empty football stadium and watching the Packers and Vikings play, what to me felt like a Saturday morning youth soccer game rank for you.
0: Yeah. That's probably a great way to, uh, to describe it. I felt like I was in a shopping mall and that ambient noise, like, you know, at Mall of America, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. two levels. And like, it's kind of like, you can hear if you like put your if you if you lean over the railing or if you like lean you know closer to the railing you're going to hear the noise that's down below like if you're just walking around the concourse what's below is going to sound like this kind of like constant hum um you won't be able to actually discern what it is until you actually listen into it so that's what it felt like to me um I usually have and and everybody's rusty I think week one uh the play is going to be rusty you as writers we as writers are going to be rusty because it's like we didn't have preseason. like I have kind of this mental checklist of things that I look for on sidelines and I have my binoculars and I'm constantly locked into the game and it's kind of hard to do that when you don't have the cues of okay they're playing this song it must mean it's time to go into the third quarter they're you know it's a tv timeout like obviously like TV timeout are not as obvious as they were in previous years because they don't have like some sort of promotion from the game day crew coming out onto like the Jumbotron. They're not, you know, doing the, the interview that they typically do with whatever Viking legend that they bring in like the second quarter type stuff. So it was weird. Um, that ambient noise, like it, was, it I don't think it ever got above a quiet hum which I wonder if it would have been louder had we been in the lower bowl area of the stadium. like yeah. In the press box, It's it just very much felt to me like what you're we watching on TV was not an accurate representation of what was going on in the stadium, at least not by the Fox broadcast crew. Because uh, I came home and uh, I watched the second half of the Saints – Bucks game and I texted a friend of mine who's on the beat there I was like how loud is it in there she's like not at all I'm like well TV would make you think it is and so that's my biggest gripe with the NFL I'm like let them pump in crowd noise like at normal decibels not like this like muted version of it like they can't have fans I'm not saying you need to be like you know in a fishbowl where it's just like screaming volume all the time but it should be louder than it was because it's hard like it's hard to stay locked in I think because you know, you could quickly lull yourself to to sleep watching a game like that, especially as bad as it was. But um, you don't have the general hypeness to keep you locked in. And that's just everything from what the press box looks and feels like on game day to, you know, what the crowd sounds like. I mean, I know that people always say, and even I've gotten into this, that you know, fans are kind of like the extra part. It's like, you're not really that big of a deal. Yes, they are, yes. especially in football. Like yep. I, that to me was a humbling moment for myself who, you know, I always get irritated when people do fan stories because I'm like, come on, like write something football related. Um, But the fans, the fans matter. And that stuff, like for players who, you know, sometimes coaches get pissed about that and they'll be like, we have the greatest fans in the world, but they don't really want to talk about what like, the effect fans have. Like it's like, you know, it's us in between the lines. We are what matters. Well, fans have a big impact on the play of the game and momentum swings and things like that. And I mean, especially in the NBA, I think with, you know, when you go on runs and things like that, but even, even last week when the, when the safety happens and the Vikings, then, you know, Kirk gets sacked on the next drive and they go three and out, like you wonder kind of what it would be like to have, um, I mean, it was quiet to a degree, but like, what, would, what, what would that have, environment been like had you had fans there and even when you know especially when the packers are on offense i mean that's what makes the vikings defense so good at home Mm -hmm. obviously they have great players but the fact is that they have one of the loudest environments in that stadium that you know certainly helps the communication become a real problem for the quarterback and you're not getting hard counted on the road um Crazy to think yeah, about a free, like I, a free
3: I, play that goes for a forty-five yard pass too in your own stadium. And that actually, I mean, you would see sometimes like Everson Griffin trying to time a snap at home, and so it does happen.
0: And jump offside, sure, yeah. yeah.
3: But the but the hard count on the second play was eye-opening. So let's do this. Let's let's go around the room. We'll start with what we're most confident in when it comes to the Vikings and the Colts. We'll go. We'll go. Judd, Courtney, Declan, back to me, and we'll start with confidences. Uh, Judd Zolga, what are you most confident in? Uh, on behalf of the Vikings this weekend.
1: This one's difficult after last week. I mean, my goodness, I had to give this a lot of thought. And then it hit me. It hit me are, like are a gonna, bolt of light. Are you
3: going to do a backhanded thing where like you're confident the Vikings defense is going to be garbage no. again against no. the Bulls?
1: I'm confident in one player who's going to be on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium Sunday. That's Xavier Rhodes. Wow! The former Viking lying. is playing for the
3: Colts. Advantage Vikings. Advantage yeah. Exactly right. I mean, I don't know if
1: it's Thielen, if it's Jefferson. I don't care who. I, I believe that Rhodes gave up at least one touchdown against Jacksonville in week one. He is primed to give up at least one more. I mean, unfortunately, he he was once great. He is now cooked. He continues to try to play the style that, used, that he used to play that was so successful and got him to Pro Bowls. I'm confident Xavier Rhodes is going to be playing for the opponent this time.
3: Wow. It's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. And I, on it's guys. funny because like when he was playing for the Vikings, it's it's tough because the, the, our lasting image of one of the greatest Vikings cornerbacks of all time is just like a punchline. You know, it was just one year too much. It's in the that Vikings shrugging of a...
1: where did he go? What happened, if, if Harrison? He,
3: if he had played like he did last year in a Colts uniform instead, we could at least sit here and say, Whoa, well, at least uh, at least That's they the didn't there. hang on to him one year too long. But it sort of sort of taints your memory of him. All right, Courtney, what are you most confident in on behalf of the Vikings?
0: Well, I'm confident that they're going to have more than 18 minutes and 44 seconds uh, (laughs) on the field as an offense because I'm willing. I know that, you know, the offense was rough, and even Gary Kubiak had mentioned how, you know, got ugly out there. Um, But I'm willing to give the offense a little bit of a mulligan, not a full one, maybe half of a mulligan, because we saw things with Kirk Cousins and trends that have just been showing up since 2018, like trusting pre-snap read more than your Pro Bowl receiver that he's going to get open. I don't know if that stuff's ever going to change, to be quite honest with you. But I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they will have a better time of possession this time around. Because, you know, think about it. Like that's a weird environment for anybody to be playing in, and like your defense going up against Aaron Rodgers. Like it's just all the it was a perfect storm for a giant cluster for this defense to really be playing from behind and struggling the whole time. So this team's like eight zero last year. If they have a time of possession thirty minutes or more. So as long as that can continue and they will be able to have more of like, a, you know, better discrepancy between the snap count and, or, you know, the number of snaps teams are playing 72 versus like 40, what was it, 48 or something for the offense. That was a lot. Um, I'm confident that the offense will not look as bad as they did last week. We'll give them, we'll finally be able to judge how good or bad this offense is after this week.
2: Declan Goff. Yeah, I, I had a similar one to Judge, and it was like Xavier, but I'll tweak it uh, just a little bit. Uh, last week, Gardner Minshew lit. Up the Colts defense I mean he was damn near perfect from a passer rating standpoint so last week with the offense not really getting into tempo I think the passing game opens up a ton this time um, I'm not I'm not sure if Kirk's gonna throw out for 400 yards but I do think Kirk Cousins and the passing game is able to find some rhythm and get some stability so I'm confident that the passing game opens back mm-hmm. up against the Colts
3: all right um, so I'm, I'm also kind of taking the Judd Zolgad path here in, in terms of the thing I'm most confident the lazy in. path of hey that guy's bad so he is my guy Philip Rivers oh
1: no. oh boy
3: <laughs> but he has thrown 22 interceptions in 17 games over the last year and and change and his teams are 5 and 12 in those games he's just a turnover machine so even though I will I will go to my grave defending Philip Rivers career and Tony Romo's career as being highly underrated I think the Vikings defense gets better because Philip Rivers hand delivers at least two turnovers sometime in yeah. this game on Sunday what was it, five? I was it five so. turnovers in that game last year? Something like that?
0: In the, in the Vikings-Chargers game? Yeah. Yeah, it was absurd. I mean, he had, what, two picks last week? And he just throws these wild interceptions that you're just like, <laughs> what were you seeing out there? Like, Because he has time. Like, he has a lot of time. But, I mean, that's also kind of uh, my biggest concern for the week. The
3: clock is ticking. He, he, he has a lot of time to find which defender he wants to throw the ball to 18 yards down the field. Uh, all right, the thing that you are the most concerned about, Judd Zilgad.
1: Oh, my biggest concern. How about this? Everything after last week. Like, I mean, where do I start? Where do I stop? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say, if I have to pick one, the cornerbacks. So, Cam Dantzler, the third-round pick, played more snaps than any other corner last Sunday, and he has had yet to practice through Thursday with a rib injury, which leads me to believe he's not going to play. Okay, so Jeff Gladney's going to play more, but Jeff Gladney, who we know has a suspect knee, and he should have been on the injury report last week, but he's there now. Played, uh, I think, what Courtney nine defensive snaps on Sunday.
0: Yeah, Um, I I didn't see any of them. I I didn't. I think that's either. I was on another planet, apparently. I missed them all too. Played on anything but special teams. I
1: think they all came during what we like to call garbage time when we were probably uh, looking at our computers and writing. But this cornerback thing is just going to take time. Like, I don't know how you how you just magically wave a wand if you're Zimmer and fix it. So it's a legitimate concern, and it's probably a consistent concern for me through about the first, I don't know, five or six games. Because, I mean, this is just going to be a gradual process. There's no, there's no magic veteran here coming to save the day. It's the Vikings' choice, but it definitely has to be a concern of some sort.
3: Yeah, Courtney. What about you? What are you most concerned about?
0: Well, I, it all goes hand in hand. I'm with Judd. It's like everything would be a great answer, but where does it start? Well, they pressured Rodgers seven times on 44 dropbacks. Like my biggest concern is how can this team stay afloat without Daniel Hunter? Um, they've got to figure it out because they've got two more games at minimum without him. Um, and I think when you you know you hear the I don't know if i call it an excuse, but you hear the reasoning from coaches that they couldn't get pressure on Rodgers because he got the ball out in 2.25 seconds. Well, Rodgers is not the only one who, like, throws it fast and has a really quick release. Phillip Rivers averaged 2.27 seconds last week getting the ball out. So that's a serious problem, too. And I'm like, okay, well, if you say that you can't pressure the guy at all, if he's getting the ball out that quickly, just give up. Like, I mean, like, well, (laughs) well, what's the alternative? Like – okay, we'll cover, we'll cover back and can pull the ball down. But if you can't do that because your corners are not up to speed and it's really tough to stay with your guy and, and you know, you have a great offensive line you're going against. I mean, like, it just – it's the domino effect that concerns me for this defense that it could very quickly start to look like last week considering I think the Colts have the best offensive line in the NFL, better than the Packers even. Um, and Philip Rivers has all the time in the world to throw back there, but he's getting ready of the ball really quickly. So if you can't – If you couldn't pressure him in that same manner last week, what's to say that you're going to be able to somehow fix it this week? I don't know.
2: Yeah, my concerns just too on the on the defensive line be able to getting after Philip Rivers. That Colts offensive line is very good, even with Philip Rivers being a turnover machine now and being kind of a skeleton of who he used to be. Sorry, Phil, uh, but I, I think with Daniel Hunter's absence, I uh, unless they're going to get really creative, which we've always been asking for Anthony Barr to start pressuring the quarterback, or I don't know if they're going to do safety blitzes and getting Harrison Smith to get after him. Like they're going to have to get extremely creative if they're going to have to replace Daniel Hunter because you just can't physically yeah. swap someone in and replace them. So just the creativity and getting after Rivers, yeah, I have a lot of concerns with.
3: Yeah. Uh, and I'm honestly, like, I'm not going to change my answer. I'm just going to echo. And I can't remember if Courtney brought this stat to the table here, but the Vikings, so we watched that game, Judd and I and Declan, and thought, I mean, they blitzed a few times, right? But like Mike yeah. Zimmer's got to dial up some more things. And then the number came in and it was like the Vikings sent extra pressure on almost half of the snaps, half of the dropbacks. And was like, Whoa, okay, so you sent extra pressure almost half the time. You didn't
0: get any. Still only had the
3: seven pressures, so.
1: And bar blitzed. So, um uh.
0: Kendricks did too. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Mike Zimmer's a guy who wants to win with four. Typically, he wants to win with his pass rush, but he sent extra pressure in this past week. I think they had the 11th highest blitz rate, just over 38% last week. Um,. And that's, you can do it with your double-A gap stuff. You can get creative and, you know, have Harrison Smith up there ready to blitz. You could bring some corner blitzes in, but you're not really up to speed with your corners, so probably not. But also, think that that's going to expose you on the back end. If you have a quarterback who just, you know, if you have fast receivers, if you have a quarterback who's able to get a deep shot off right away and you're just wide open on the back end, it's game over. So, I mean, that's, that's my concern. Like, some people think, okay, just blitz. Send extra pressure all the time. Well, you can't because what when you're – Compensating for something overcompensating for something else, leaving it self-exposed elsewhere, and that's a problem.
3: You know, against my guy Phillip Rivers, it's very likely that you can be safe sending ten you can pretty much send ten and keep Harrison Smith back and might <laughs> still get an interception. So it might be it might be worth trying. All right. The thing that
1: the thing that we are the most curious about, Judd Zulgad. Football distribution by the Vikings offense. Football. <laughs> Galvin Cook did not sign that contract to have two targets and one catch for minus two yards. Irv Smith Jr., this just in to us at Score North, might be good at football. Maybe he should get the ball. Um, this whole, and, and I mean, I'm sure it starts with Koobz and then goes to Kirk. Thielen, God bless him, he should play a key role. But to me, Courtney... Distribution of the football, like get these guys. You've got guys to involve. Yeah. Get them involved on plays where they should be on fourth and three. Let's not try a deep shot next time, okay? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Tajay Sharp
0: no, is still standing up. Stand there. With you. I think that along those lines, Judd. I'm curious about you know. If, is it a good thing if Adam Thielen is constantly getting six, catch, having six catches for 110 yards and two touchdowns? Maybe, maybe not. Like, think about what happened in the 2018 season when he reached that historic mark of eight straight games to start the season with 100 yards receiving. That's great and everything, but who else is there? Like, my fear would kind of be that Kirk is relying on him so heavily uh, that the offense continues to make itself completely one-dimensional. And I'm curious, how are they going to try to switch that up this week? Because you have a lot of different guys that you can get the ball to, but can you have Kirk trust that he can get the ball there and not worry about all the other stuff that he worries about when he's under pressure. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook needs to be more involved in the game plan. Alexander Madison had four catches last week. I think they really are going to try to use him in that, um, you know, receiving role, and maybe they'll start lining him up in the slot, catching more passes out of the backfield. I've told people this in fantasy. Uh, I would drop Irv Smith this week just because I'm not – He's so far down the list of, like, priorities, I think, right now, just early on, um, that do you expect him to get more than two, three targets? No, I don't. Not now. Because Kirk's still trying to figure this out, and I think it's going to take a while for him to be able to trust people more than Adam Thielen. And that's why we knew this, though. We knew an uptick in targets would go Thielen's way this whole time. So it's not surprising. It's just kind of like, yikes, like, you know, get ready.
3: Yeah, Thielen's going to. This might be the year that Thielen uh, sets career highs, and if he stays healthy in targets, catches, mm-hmm. like he's he had the one ridiculous year that you mentioned. Before I get to the thing that I'm the most curious about, a quick shout out. We are giving away a Corona Hard Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party. That's right, football. Yeah! It includes a 65-inch TCL TV with a soundbar, $200 worth of Grundhoffers, Meats, $100 to MGM Wine and Spirits for you to, I don't know, maybe purchase some Corona Hard Seltzer. And you can enter very easily. If you already have the Score North app, you can just open it on your phone. Make sure you're registered with your name and email, and then uh, click on the listener rewards link, and boom, you are entered. If you don't have the app, it's free to download in the Apple and Google Play stores. The Corona Hard Seltzer Ultimate Home Tailgate Party Football. And if uh, I don't have, I've got the I've got the forty something inch TCL TV uh, at home. If I had the sixty five inch TCL TV, it would connect very well with with my curiosity. <laughs> Of a six foot five, <laughs> three hundred ten pound behemoth out of Oklahoma. Yes, a fourth round draft pick that only has thirty one career NFL snaps. We're going to get it. Sounds like, and Courtney can elaborate on this. Our our first real look over the next few weeks at Drew Samia at right guard with Pat Elfline on the injured reserve list for at least a few weeks. And I would say, you know, not to keep shoveling dirt on Pat Elfline, but it can't get a whole lot worse than the way he has played the last couple of years and injuries have played a role in that. And so uh, it's time to see what Drew Samia can do potentially. Courtney, where does that stand?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's the most underrated curiosity, which should probably be our number one curiosity. Um, they've got two big injuries right now. I mean, if Dantzler doesn't play, are you going to put Gladney out there because you sure as hell didn't seem too confident last week in keeping him limited to nine snaps on defense? You know, it's your first-round pick after all. Um, Samia is such an interesting one to me because all the talk last year of, like, redshirt year, he's going to be great, blah, 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 we love what we're seeing, and then he doesn't win the right guard battle because you moved Pat Elfline over. I think that was their last-ditch effort with Elfline. And now it's really like okay, we're moving on. Um, he's never been the same since he was injured after his during his rookie season, and he was he's not a guard; he's a center. But we can play draft revisionist history another day. I think the Mia right guard and how they're able to. You know, does it look any better? Like, because you anticipate that Samia's going to be the starter there from here on out. Because Ezra Cleveland, mind you, was inactive in week one. That's a bad sign for your second-round draft pick. That either you stunted his development or you're screwing up his growth because you may play left guard instead of the tackle, instead of the position you drafted him for. So, because Brian O'Neill. I know that he was skinny mini when he first got here. He was active all those games, and he played in week two. He got his ass handed to him in week two of that 2018 season, but he still played. So to me, that's a bad sign that Ezra Cleveland was not dressed. At least, at least they let Brian O'Neill dress. I mean, that's that to me is you know talking about like development, and there's so many similarities that the Vikings like to pull from Ezra Cleveland to Brian O'Neill. Um, if he's not active this week, I think there's something that we should really be talking about there.
2: Yeah, my curiosity lines up right in the offensive line. Just curious if Drew Juusemi is able to go, or if Ezra Cleveland's good to go. Um, as Courtney brought up like we all had just we had heard so much about him last year, and that oh he's just it's a red shirt year, and he's going to be ready to go and 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 be be part of the line in twenty in twenty twenty. And if if this is it, let's see if he can go. But it, it, in general, Pat Elfline, what, allowed like seven pressures last week against the Packers. So I don't think it get, can get worse. But is he ready to step in and be a drastic improvement? I guess we'll have to wait and yeah, see.
3: Yeah, The number on Elfline, if it's, yeah. so the Vikings allowed, according to Pro Football Focus, the Vikings allowed seven pressures. And and really, like, so the Vikings the, the Vikings and the Packers allowed the same number of pressures. But the but the Packers had way more dropbacks. Uh, and like Courtney said, five of them belonged to Pat Elfline. So...
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. It's been a
1: rough couple of years.
3: So those are confidences, curiosities, concerns for the Vikings going into this game week two against the Colts. And that is a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. We appreciate everyone subscribing to YouTube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. And also you can find us in audio form and leave us a positive rating and a review on Apple, Spotify, and ScoreNorth.com or the other places You can find it for Courtney Cronin, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff. We will see you next time.
1: The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little
3: time.